Hello, everybody. Welcome to our virtual 67 Palmal. Uh, apologies for those who were expecting Mark Hazeman not long ago. He had some trouble in the vineyards that kept him busy, and he says time just slipped away, or maybe he messed up the time difference. Uh, whichever, he sends his apologies. Uh, if you did order the wines and you did drink the wines, then just email us and we'll send you another pack. Uh, the last, last thing for today, we're going to be talking with Tor Kenwood, who will be talking about the wines that he makes in Napa Valley under the Tor label. Um, but for now, we're very pleased to be speaking with Jasper Morris, MW, who will be talking to the next generation of winemakers at some very well-known domains. They'll be speaking with Lea and Pierre Lafont, Mathilde Grivo and Clément Boileau-Barteau. Um, so please chat away on the side, share with us what you're drinking and where you're drinking it from. And we'd really love to see what you are doing with all your empty bottles. Um, so unless they're going straight into the recycling bin, take a photo, put it on social media under hashtag 67 from home. And for the most creative one, we're going to send you a magnum of something nice. Um, so as usual, we'll have 15 minutes at the end to ask questions. And a big hello to everybody. Big group today. Hello. Hey. Hi. Thank you, Ronan. Great stuff. Thank you very much for doing this, as always. Yeah. And uh, hello to everybody who's uh, signed up and still uh, tuning in. Um, it's actually, the weather has been a little bit up, uh, unsettled in the last few days in Burgundy. I've just been up in Chablis last week. We were told we were going to get a storm tonight, which might have blown my Wi-Fi, but we haven't. So um, I'm the odd man out tonight because I'm the old generation. Um, my birth year is 1957 and I'm pretty sure that uh, the parents of our panelists today, uh, they're all born within a year or two either way of that. Um, and uh, so what's exciting for me is that I've known Dominique Lafont, Suzanne Barteau, Louis Boyot, uh, Etienne Griveau, Marielle uh, Griveau, uh, since, well, since I first started getting involved in Burgundy in the 1980s. And they've been involved in their family domains all that time. But now it's time for a change. Uh, the changes are happening. Some are complete, some are still en route at the moment. But all our panelists today are getting involved in their famous family domains. And what I want to bring out of tonight's talk is uh, what it means to, to join such a, uh, a domain and uh, what the challenges are, where everybody is hoping to go with it. And while we're doing that, we're going to taste six wines which uh, cover these different domains. So the first I'm going to introduce are the pair of cousins, uh, Léa Lafont, daughter of Dominique, and Pierre Lafont, who is daughter of uh, Bruno Lafont. So there they are, I think, sitting in the, in the offices in Claude Labar, from the look of it. And uh, that's going to be one of our wines that we have tonight. So uh, Léa, I know you the better of the two, um, because you've been working in London for a while before going back to the family of men. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about uh, what you've been up to in the last few years and uh, when you joined? Of course. Uh, hi, everybody. So um, I've joined the domain a year ago, exactly, today, actually. Uh, so it's the birthday of my first year here. And before that, I was working uh, in communications for a private bank in London. So it's not much to do with wine. And uh, I also worked um, in Paris for Hermès. I studied uh, business management. So I've been, I've been working, not exactly in the wine industry before, 
Um, but I always uh, took my holidays to come back and do the harvest and the vintage with my dad, Dominic. So I know, of course, I know well Norso. I grew up here, I grew up in Bonn, and uh, I've already done, I think, eight or nine um, harvest and vintages uh, for the Dominique Lafont label. So I'm, I would say that's where I have probably the, the most experience uh, from of what it's like to work in the domain. And uh, yeah, very happy to be here with my cousin here who arrived yes. exactly uh, three weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I actually I saw I saw Dominique uh, a lunch down in the Macronay on Sunday, and by chance I happened to come by your domain uh, on Monday. And Dominique looked at me and said, "How are you feeling this morning?" <laughs> he wasn't quite as fresh as he might have been. <laughs> now, which one of you two would like to talk about the white wine, and who's going to talk about the red? Um, I can start with the white. Okay, because this is the Mosso Claude La Bar, which is actually the vineyard that you're speaking from. Exactly, yes. So Claude Labar is the vineyard where we have the, the winery. It's really the historic uh, vineyard of the family. It's a monopole, of course, and uh, it's about two hectares. So it's quite a, a big parcel um, for us. Um, it's a village, but it's, uh, it was known as Tête de Cuvée uh, before in the, the, old, the old books. So it's a uh, I mean, for us, it's one of our, it's one of our, no? It's one of our, um, it's one of our favorites because it's also where we live. It's where our family history is. And the one you, you have today is the 2015. Is it? Is it you, working, you would have done the, you would have done the harvest in 2015, either here or at. Not I was in Oregon doing the harvest in Oregon that year. It's the only year I missed, actually. And uh, I was, uh, all these years, I was doing the harvest for Dominique Lafon, so for his own label and not in Comte Lafon. Okay. Bit, bit different. I'm just gonna have a taste and uh, see what it's looking like. But I think you have been sent the same samples as us and you have it from the bottle. Yeah. We also tried it from the bottles. I didn't, I wasn't sure I would get the samples. I didn't know I would get the samples. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, we have I, it would be fascinating to hear um, uh, in a second if you perceived as much of a difference between how it comes in the sample and how it came in the bottle. Mm. Mm. So, 2015 is such a... Um, vintage for red that as often happens when it's a warmer year that suits the reds people overlook the whites a bit but the, the good thing about the whites in 2015 was everybody had learned from their mistakes of 2009 and picked early enough but it's always been a strength of, of this domain is getting the picking dates right anyway um, but uh, I've just tasted that now the color is a little bit um, not deeper in the sense of advanced but it is a richer yellower color color uh, and the bouquet shows that it's a it's a sunny vintage, but there's a beautiful, almost reductive acidity behind, isn't there? Which I think is holding that together. And uh, I know that Claude Labar can last a very long time, but it's not too difficult to appreciate now. Uh, what do you think, Leon Pierre? Is there a difference between the, between the two? I'm trying again the one we opened yesterday, but I think it holds up quite well in the in the sample you sent us actually. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you did a pretty good job. Yeah, we. Uh, I tried the, the bottle before, and I just tried the, the sample, and yeah. uh, it's really, it's really close. Except the temperature, our bottle is like slightly like uh, colder. But yes. Yeah. And it's probably even more backward, but. Uh, mm. Uh, I've got a uh, one bottle left in my cellar of the 1982 vintage, which is your grandfather's last vintage. So uh, it's it's waiting for a special moment. Uh, <laughs> um, we're getting some good chat on the side, by the way, including people really recommending uh, your family's Macon, the Clos de Four. So so that's good. It's not all about the uh, the top names, the top domains. So uh, when you go into Clos de la Barre, do you think of it as a vineyard or do you think of it as your garden? <laughs> Um, we would say, we would say yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, before, like when we were kids, like playing in, the, in our grandma's garden, because like the house of our grandma is just like next nearby. And yes. it was more a garden, like we were like uh, playing around and like walking around. Uh, but now, like right now we are in the in preparation. It's much more a vineyard, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's a little bit of both. But uh, yeah. also it's, um, uh, we are checking it more, like we are, hmm. I feel, yeah, we are, we are making sure it's, uh, it's uh, like everything it's, is done properly. It's really part of our uh, identity, I think, like the identity of the domain, of course, but it's really part of our, I mean, of my identity, I think, because Crotabar is really yes. my roots and it's where I grew up, so it, it means a lot to us, this years, definitely. It has a great resonance for me because, as I think you know, the very first domain I ever tasted in in Burgundy was uh, was yours mm. back in 1981. <laughs> um, well, um, uh, I think about this as well. But at the moment, uh, your father told me on Sunday that officially he is allowed to retire from the 1st of August this year. His first news he had of it, that he's done enough uh, hours over his life to be allowed to retire. But I'm guessing he's not planning to retire just yet. No. no, I th I think you will have like a like a lot of drinks with you after. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so uh, so you two are going to be working with him, but yeah. the plan making the wine I mean, to begin we with. Learn. We need to learn because we're we're fairly new to the to the job. I mean, it's so much more than a job. Mm. Actually, there's so much to learn. Yes. Uh, so we need we can't. Uh, we could do that on our own, maybe, but we would lose so much in doing so. And I think what's make what we're we're so lucky to have uh, Dominique here uh, still working with us and also still willing to work with us. Because you know, some people may say, you know, I'm I'm done. I've done my time. Now you do it and you deal with it. But he's uh, really willing to to show us and teach and explain to us. I mean, I, I've spent a year here, and I feel like I've spent a whole year just asking questions. That's, that's what he's doing at the moment. So there's a lot, a lot to learn with him mm. and a lot to learn together as well. Yeah, it's a, we, we try to make a list of everything we, uh, he needs to teach us. And mm. there is like some stuff, like it will take years to, to learn. Yeah, the fun moment will be though when you're in charge and he works for you and you could, you know, you, you give yeah. him. He's, he can drive the tractor everyone. during harvest. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the snack. Maybe Mathilde. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what Mathilde managed to do now. <laughs> okay. But uh, we also have a red wine from you, which is um, mm -hmm. uh, the Volnay Premier Cru Centeneau um, uh, which is, in fact, the Tete de Cuvée that you mentioned before. 
Brendan, could we actually see the map of Merceau, please? Here we have Merceau, and uh, on it, I will, um, while Pierre and Leia re retaste their wine, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you where these two vineyards are. First of all, uh, Claude Labar uh, is here. So it's actually, uh, I, I'm going to put the heart symbol on top of the building where Leia came <laughs> from. So on the edge of Merceau. And then, as uh, most of you, everybody probably knows, that uh, Volnay Sontenot is actually grown in Merceau. It's a courtesy title because it's a red wine. And here is Les Sontenot du Milieu. I don't think I've put it, let's see, I don't think I've put it exactly where the Lafon plot is, but it's in Les Sontenot du Milieu, which uh, is one of several plots that can call themselves Volnay Sontenot, but the one in the middle, du Milieu, is, is the star. So there's the map. Perhaps we can uh, we can uh, lose the map again, Ronan, so that uh, um, uh, we can go back to watching the team. And Pierre, if you can talk us through the Volnay. Yeah. So um, so Volnay. Uh, just to add something, we uh, we own like four, four hectares of uh, of Volnay Saint-Nomier, which is like half of the of the whole appellation, which is like quite a big uh, big part of it, and. Uh, that's that's a pretty like really like smooth part really like um, like fruity wines. Uh, the 2014 that we have was like a little challenging year, but uh, the winemaking uh, on the winemaking like we uh, Dominique needed like to do like a very few extraction like to have like something very well balanced. And today it shows well. Uh, we just need like to let the wine breathe a little bit. We opened the, the bottle yesterday. It was a little tight. But after like a day, uh, like just a night uh, briefing, uh, like the fruit like shows are showing very well and the onions like were tough, like shows nice. So 14 is one of the last cool vintages, if you like, before the hot weather really takes over. And it's a, it's a wine that's normally accessible enough, open enough that you can get enjoyment from it. But clearly, it's still designed for for further down the road. Um, yeah. So um, I will tell the story since we're doing generation talk. This goes back a long way, but with your father and your grandfather, we once did a vertical tasting uh, of wines, including small vintages, uh, at your house in Claude Labar. And the oldest was supposed to be the 1929 of this wine. And then he looked at his father and said, "Dad, I'm going to go down to the cellar." There's a bottle you spent your entire life looking at, and I spent my entire life looking at. And in fact, you pulled up two. There's a Merceau Genevrier in 1969, the year your house was built, I think, and the Volnay Sontenot, sorry, 1869, I beg your pardon, and the Volnay Sontenot, 1869, of which they were both the same color, i.e. brown, but uh, <laughs> the Volnay still gave a little bit of pleasure. I'm afraid the Merceau was, was dead. But it was an extraordinary emotional moment. And it makes me realize quite how important it is, this idea that a domain gets transmitted from one generation to the next. So, welcome the new generation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Uh, is there anybody, um, we've got a little question on the side there. Um, uh, could you elaborate a little bit on the three different Volnais you make? So Clédicien, uh, Champon, and uh, Sontenot, and the, st the style difference between them. Feeling brave uh, enough to tackle that. Yeah, so the three Volnais, we have the Sontenot, which is like a 
how big as far. Um, and then we have like the, the, the champagne, which is like a pretty old vineyard, like some part of it is like more than 100 years old. It's and, not entirely old because the rest was uh, planted in the year that uh, Leia was born. Yes. I won't reveal what that year is, but uh, I think <laughs> 1921. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, the Chen. yeah, that's, that's a pretty small product, like a very small production. And on the style, it's, uh, it's lighter. Uh, it's way lighter because it's more in altitude uh, than, the two, than the two other varnies. Hmm. Rafi has asked, at what age do you think the Santanoa shows best? What would be the perfect age to drink Santanoa? So, so, sorry, say, say it again. What would be the perfect age to drink a bottle of Santanoa? So what would be the ideal? I, I, I would say like eight to ten years, depending on the, on the vintage. Hmm. Sometimes you can go higher. Okay, for English people, add another five or ten it years. It depends on so. English people. It depends yeah. on, of course, it depends on who you're talking to and what, yeah. how you like it. I, Maybe for, for yeah. dear English hmm. clients, I, I, customers, drinkers, uh, probably twenty years. I lived in America, <laughs> so it was like more, It was more ten years. <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually quite catch up what you had done before, Pierre, but did you work with your father, Bruno, down in the south of France? Or? Uh, a little bit I worked, but uh, I spent seven years, the last seven years in the United States uh, working in Chicago for wine importer. So I was saying, oh, okay. now I'm like trying to learn how to make wine. Right. Oh, well, great. No, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a better place in the food chain to be making the wine than the <laughs> exactly. setting it, I would say. Terrific. Well, we will come back to you uh, later on. And uh, um, uh, for now, I'm going to move to uh, Clément. Uh, so his family name is Boyo, but his mother is Barto. Uh, and uh, you've got everybody, all, all three, four of you have got the samples of all the wines, so you can enjoy each other's wines. Uh, but thank you very much, Lea and Pierre, for now. And uh, Clément, let's move across. So you're calling from the office in uh, Chambon-Musigny, I think. Yeah. yeah. So you have not only joined both your parents, but you've even, I think, 2019, you made the wine. You took over. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm back to the domain in 2019. Um, and my first visit was in 18. Right. Yeah. So, so instead of um, uh, having to, uh, you know, with uh, with maybe you don't, uh, you're single, you don't have a brother or sister, but instead of several of you working with your parents, you have taken over two separate domains, one from each parent, and a third domain because you have a domain in uh, Moulin Vent as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, we about in uh, important um, mm. a small domain in Moulin Vent for uh, um, and we try to, to buy more, more on, on the better place and better So, uh, is sitting down, but I reveal that he's, I think, the only uh, vigneron I know in Burgundy who's taller than I am. But uh, so he's got uh, plenty of uh, physique to enable him to do the work of, of, of three or four people. Um, so, interestingly, uh, so your parents both kept their domains separate, and I assume they make the wine in a slightly different way. Now you've 
taken over from both your father and your mother, will you be making the wine in the same way under both names? Or will you actually make them a little differently for your father and for your mother? Um, I think I would do them the same way. Uh, but uh, I will try to, to bring um, some uh, precision, more precision to, to, the, to the style. And uh, um, to bring my, my touch uh, on the notification. Good. And they are both still working with you because each time I go past the domain, I, I see one or the other. So they're not going to retire completely. Yeah, no. Uh, my father is uh, retired since January, but not my mother. Right. Yes. Not yet. Okay, because in fact, your grandfather has only just stopped working in one of the vineyards, hasn't he? Just two, two three years ago. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my uh, father, grandfather, was uh, in two years ago in the Yes. So he was still doing the vineyard work at what, age 92, 93? Uh, so he was still working in the vineyard up when he was over 90, 98. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the 90, 95. 95, Ooh, right, there's a challenge for, uh, for anybody out there. Keep yourself fit and healthy yeah. on picking grapes all the way through. Um, Clement, I... I if you could just move a little closer to the microphone because your voice, we are not hearing you all that clearly every time. So uh, speak a little closer in if that's possible. Yeah. Okay. So um, the first wine that we've uh, chosen is from your father's side. So Chambertin, Les Evocelles. Ronan, can we have the map? And... Uh, so, uh, so Gervais Champetain, as you may know, uh, the vineyards are not only in Gervais, but they also move into the next door commune of Brochon. And Les Evocelles is on the border between the two. And uh, I think I'm right in saying that you are in the, almost everybody is in this side, the Brochon side. But if you look at the way the contours work, this could almost be a premier cruise. So here's Clos Saint-Jacques, here are the other premier cruise of the Côte Saint-Jacques, and there's no reason to think of Eversailles as any different from that, apart from perhaps the fact that it is in the commune of Brochon, and maybe they didn't want to make Brochon something special. But uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about Eversailles, Clément? Yeah, so it's, it's um, a special place in, in the way, uh, because it's the higher uh, in the revelation in the Russian letter. Um, so, um, in the banner, we have um, some lanterns everywhere in the parcel. Um, so, it's very, very rocky. Um, and it's all blind, so um, it was planted in uh, the 14th. 
also very very dense and very rich wine in, in this cluster. Um, we have um, a little bit of lichen um, everywhere in this place. And um, the wines are, are very rich uh, in standard. So, um, Clement, one or two people are not hearing you all that clearly. So, uh, you're talking about Evosa, uh, you, it's quite high and you have some older vines, did you say? Yeah. What vines? Um, it was planted in 45, uh, so it's uh, 75 years. Right, planted in 1945, so that's... Uh, that's uh, pretty special. Okay, um, Ronan, we can probably dispense with the map at this point. So um, both the, the wines of uh, both your parents are de-stemmed, 100%, correct? Yeah. No uh, stem, no whole bunch? No. No. No, no but, um, uh, my parents want to just de uh, to explain um, the, the terroir uh, to have another uh, aromatic in the wine, the, the, the aromatic of the stem. Okay, and that's true also of the um, uh, Lafon Vendée-Fontenot, that also is uh, uh, completely de-stemmed. Uh, uh, occasionally Dominique does a little experiment, but um, uh, we will we will uh, see. And uh, Mathilde, your wines uh, are destemmed as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's one hundred percent yeah. for every vintages. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pierre, Lea, any interest in maybe trying some stems one day? Um, maybe one day, but uh, we need to put Dominique on retirement first. So. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we can bring one hundred percent destemmed unless uh, probably there, there was maybe a problem with the destemmer one day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or, or you had a little bit of spare wine that uh, I know that uh, occasionally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, once, I think. Experiment I is allowed. That's not something. Um, who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's not day. something I would say we're completely against. It's just that uh, with Dominique. Yeah. In fact, both um, both um, Dominique and also Etienne Grivo have told me at one point or another that they really enjoy wines made with stems. Uh, it's not that they're against the concept of having stems, but they just can't imagine making them themselves, which is probably right. Clement, you will stay with uh, no stems yourself. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I did some, some try um, two years ago, uh, but I could with um, 100% mm. Okay. Um, so uh, this, in fact, we now have one white village wine in the Marceau Clair de la Barre and one red village wine, which is in the Chauvet-Chambertin Eversal. They're both Yerdes, which have a special reputation over and above where they stand in the classification. Um, we've had one red premier cru so far, the Volnay-Santeneau, and many people think that chambon uh is the twin of Volnay in, in the Côte de Nuit. Uh, so, um, perhaps we could show the Chambon Musigny map, and I have a confession to make, which is this map is from my book and it's wrong, um, which I'm very ashamed about. 
Um, so uh, here we have Les Bonnes Grand Cru, and above it we have Les Varoiles, which is marked on this map as being entirely village, uh, and that shouldn't be the case uh, because there is one little bit, um, Gaston Barteau, the uh, uh, grandfather on, on your mother's side there, uh, Clément, yeah. Yeah. Uh, asked for a little bit to be Premier Crew, and it's just, just your bit, and it's, I think, where I put the heart there, just above the, the top left corner of Bonmar. Have I put yeah. it in the right place? Yeah, right. Okay. So we've got the 2014 and our friend Rafi in Jersey, who's been a very faithful follower, is drinking the 2011 at home. And it's true that uh, Clement did say to me, could we maybe find another vineyard? Because he didn't think the Verroir would be quite open yet. But in the limited time that we had to put the tasting together, uh, Verroir is what we found. And there is no other domain, I can think, in any other village which has as many different Premier Cru's as uh, Domaine Gislain Bato. You have 11 different ones, I think? Yeah, 11, yeah. yeah. Uh, we can put them on the map. Croix, uh, Fouet, Sentier, Baud, Noiro, yes? Yeah. Noiro, yeah. uh, Grouanché, Beaubre, yeah. I love that one, uh, Châtelot, Charme, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've left out. Sham goes on to here. What have I left out? Which is the extra one? Combat. Combat, combat yes. There. Hey, that looks fun with all the, the hearts on the map. And if anyone is feeling rich and gets the chance, maybe you can buy uh, Giselaine and Clement uh, a little bit of Bombard and maybe some Musigny and uh, voila. And, uh, just to add to the demand. Uh, see, as simple terms, this is maybe the special archetypal uh, domain for, uh, for Chambon Misny. I'll just put the, uh, the heart back into Verroal. So, um, should we taste this wine? I actually think that there's a lovely structure to the Chevrolet Chambertin. We didn't really I talk about the wine. Maybe Clement, you can talk about how you taste the wine today. Um, yeah. It's got a nice yeah. bit of tannin behind to just keep it straight. Alors, Chambon Musigny. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a very small date for us. It's zero point two in Chambon Musigny. It's um, our higher percent in, uh, in and um, there is some strong soil there. Um, it's the same soil like uh, north of the Lemon Mark. And um, this vine was created in 1965. Uh, and my grandfather um, had uh, a community appellation in 1987 uh, before it was in Vilaire. Uh, it's, it's a cool place in, in Chambon, uh, so it's um, very often um, very fresh wine, um, with a lot of acidity. Um, it's not, um, it's not overripe, and uh, it's between 12 and 12.5 uh, degrees um, every year. Um, so it's 
always run with function um, facility uh, and lightness. Um, it's not uh, not really color and super uh, one. Okay, just in case some people didn't get all of that. Um, so this is uh, the highest plot that they have amongst their vineyards, uh, as you can see on the map. Uh, it's a cold place by Chambord standards, which I think is going to be important going forwards, uh, because some of the Chambord vineyards are, are warm and, and ripen very early. Uh, so this higher acid, never get uh, overripeness here, and it finishes with tension. Uh, just a comment I would add, between the two wines, is this is more about the fruit. It's a fruit acid balance. And the Chevrolet Chambertin was a little bit more of a fruit and tannin balance. Um, but there's a lovely ripe cherry flavor in this wine, uh, in the, in the Chambon Musnu, which I'm enjoying a lot. Mm. Okay, we can lose the map now, Ronan. Thank you. Is there anything, uh, Clement, you would like to add? Um, about your wines or any changes you're planning to make now you have control apart from precision you said in the future yeah i lost that yeah. completely hmm? yeah. I don't so is there any change you're planning to make in the next few years or in the domain or um, you continue um, as already are um, um, a little bit um, for the aging, um, I reduced um, the, the part of the work. But my father uh, another maybe 30%, um, and I will 10% in the future. Um, and I will try also a big, big work. Uh, um, Right. Okay, I didn't catch all of that. But one thing was reducing the element of new oak, which is very much something that's happening throughout the region. We're hearing uh, less new oak, and the people who are interested in having whole bunches, more whole bunches. Thank you, Clement. Uh, stay, stay with us, and have comments to make about other people's wines, then do. Um, but for the moment, we will pass on to our next contestant in the, in the game of, of fine wine, which is Mathilde. So um, welcome, uh, Mathilde. And uh, uh, still, Mathilde Griveaux, I know that you got married in December because you very kindly invited me to the wedding. Um, and uh, I feel a little bit ashamed because we stayed by our standards very late. Uh, but at the next door table to us were your parents and your aunt, uh, who are, sorry, your grandparents and your great aunt, I beg your pardon, uh, who were all born in the 1920s. And they were still having a great time at the party when we left at one o'clock in the morning. But uh, it, it was a lovely moment. Um, so, Mathilde, uh, welcome. And you have been working with your father for a few years and also with your brother, Hubert. Um, at the moment, um, uh, it's, you'd say, a partnership with, with Etienne, uh, each of you doing your different bits of the job? 
Um, we arrived with my brother Hubert in 2010. So 2010 was our first vintage together with, with, my, with our father. And you know, it's like, um, my parents are very young. So it's, it's a great experience together because uh, with my brother, we do more and more and my parents does less and less. So it's great because um, they, they have the experience and we have like the new energy. So it's a, it's a very good adventure all together. And it's true like uh, vintage after vintage uh, with my brother Hubert, we do more and more. And uh, we, we have exactly the same vision of Pinot Noir. We want to go on the same way. And vintage after vintage, we continue to improve. The, the quality and the signature of uh, the Griva wines. So your father said uh, to his father that uh, I want to change your wines. I don't like the wines you make, Dad. But, uh, but you are uh, actually, because you've been working alongside uh, refining, then you're, uh, you're very happy with the style at the moment. And uh, are, there, are there any particular things you might maybe look to do in the years to come, either in the vineyards or in the cellar? You know, the, the, the generation of my father, of Dominique, uh, did a great job uh, in the vineyard and in the winemaking part. So I think now our mission for the new generation is to continue on the same way, uh, on the purity of Pinot Noir, on the sophistication, of, on the elegance of winemaking. So I think this is our first goal, is to continue on the same way because they did a great job and um, yes, we, we just, we, we, we have to continue. Mm, mm, mm. Clearly, and in fact, you've just done a film, haven't you, of I think the 2017 vintage, when the whole, not just the vintage, but the whole season, the whole year. And it's a mix of how the family all relates, uh, interacts with each other, and watching everything during the season. Yes. Yeah. And, can people see that on the, is there a Grivo website? Uh, can they, how can people get, uh, have a look at that film? Uh, we, we, we are, we, we have like a renovation of our website. So it's, it's not ready yet, but uh, it, it will be done in few, in few weeks, I, I hope. Good, 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 good. And uh, 2020 is showing how well so far? What, what are your plans for 2020? Does it look good? Yes, it's look good. No disease in the vineyard. Um, it, it, it's, it could be an, an early vintage because we, we had a, a wonderful weather uh, in February, March, April. Uh, we have rain when we need it. Um, we have nice grapes, but in the Côte d'Uni, we, we observe long grapes with small berries. So, so we, we will see after the summer. It depends on the summer. If we have some few days with rain, it could be evolved, but today we have small berries, uh, but with a deep skin. So we should have a huge concentration on, on this vintage and a huge complexity. Mm. So, so we will see, finger crossed right. uh, until harvest. Uh, you better not say uh, uh, that it's going to be wonderfully good yet until you solve the 2019 first. And then you can talk about <laughs> 2020. I did ask the question. Okay, so uh, you were keen to show a Nuit Saint-Georges today, but I mentioned that we had shown one about three weeks ago on a different uh, uh, Zoom. We had had uh, a Nuit Saint-Georges. So we've gone with a Von Romanet and uh, a Clos Rougeau. Uh, so maybe if we'll get the Clos Rougeau, sorry, the Von Romanet map up first. And uh, I have 
learned exactly where your plot is. Let's see if I can actually draw it, which is not so easy. Um, uh, how am I going to draw it? I'm going to draw it like this. So it is uh, just about a bit like that. That's not a perfect. Ah, yeah. Right? Yeah, true. Yes. Yes, it is. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Jasper, because that's true that um, I mentioned uh, Nuit Saint-Georges for, for today, but it's, it's a good idea to have the super because it's a small production at the domain and, and we, we don't try enough the, the social. So, so it's no, well, uh, including me, I very rarely get to try this, so I was very happy to have it. Good, uh, good. <laughs> tell us a bit about this vineyard and... Uh, um, what, I mean, we can see here on the map with uh, all the Richefort, Grommet Saint-Vivant, Echezeau, Grands Echezeau, and then there's just one vineyard in between which didn't get to be Grand Cru. So explain a little bit about that. So, so Suchot is, is perfectly located because it's, of course, be, between very, very nice appellations from Von Romanet and Flagey Echezeau, and, and Suchot has the He's in the same register and in the same intensity as Echezeau and, and Richebourg. And when this wine is very young, uh, we can have some sensation of seabed and petrol inside. And it was exactly that I had when I put the sample on my glass, I had, I had some, some petrol sensation on, on the nose. Okay. And when we taste it, this wine, we are in, in oriental markets with lots of spice uh, notes and it's, uh, it's very salty, it's, uh, it's very mineral and pure at the same time. I agree and with you about the saltiness and uh, the seabed and of course I have just come from Chablis where that is the speciality. It's really interesting to taste this as well. Exactly and you know this appellation develops his flesh after a few years in bottle. Because when it's too young, uh, it tastes more on the physical, less on the spiritual. And today it's, it's maybe between the two of them because on the first taste, it's a little bit physical for me. And then at the end of the taste is more spiritual, like after seven, eight years aging in, in bottle. The image that comes into my mind always with Suchot partly from knowing the vineyard and what it does is is from the left um, side of your parcel it drops down in the middle and then it comes back up the other side exactly. and I find that with Suchot you start with the flavor and you think this is exciting and then it goes away and you say what's happened to my Suchot uh, something's wrong here and you start talking and then the wave of flavor returns in your mouth as if it's fallen down into the dip and then climbed back up the other side. So uh, that's how I uh, imagine uh, Suchot for myself. I agree, yes. And, and you, you have a nice freshness and it's very balanced at the same time and, and you have a huge harmony in the wine. And, and I'm very happy to, to have this touch because this is our signature and we, we are always looking for, for this typical expression in, in, the, in the wines. Mm. Um, Mathilde, you were present at one of the most extraordinary tastings which I've ever done, and it was extraordinary for the human relationship. Apologies, some of our listeners may have heard me mention this tasting before, but it's when we did a vertical tasting of one of your vineyards uh, with a, a, a collector friend from uh, Hong Kong who put, put it together and you added one or two vintages from the domain. 
And uh, Etienne said to me, and I hadn't thought of this before, and now I, I always try and do it this way. He said, let's start with the oldest vintage, and then we can see how we have progressed. So when everybody had tasted the wines, he started to talk to them. And he said, okay, I began like this. Uh, I wanted to change what my father had done. Then I started working with the enologist Giacad, and uh, uh, I just actually, 10 minutes before coming on to this, uh, this program, I saw the local newspaper, and I'm sorry to say that Giacad uh, uh, died two days ago. Um, I didn't realize he was still in Burgundy. Um, and then after that, uh, Etienne said I wanted to change things and move away from the Akkad method. And then I decided what I needed to do, but it took me another three years to learn how to do it. And he just went through the whole thing and the changes. And then Mathilde Nubert came on board. And then this and then that. And at the end of it, he burst into tears. He was so wound up and emotional about his journey and his career. Uh, so um, I knew, I mean, you were there and you saw it and felt it uh, along, alongside, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, it, it's true. And, and th thanks to all these vintages and thanks to also the Giacat period, we we can we can make wine like like today because it, it's thanks to to the evolution vintage after vintage and uh, we we change few things and it's true that we we distance all um, for all the cuvee and but we, we keep the integrity of of the berries and uh, and this is our new method since few vintages and and we are very happy because we, we evolve on the tannin touch and we involve on the precision on the nose and, and the complexity on the wine, but we, we don't lose the, the freshness and the, the capacity to age. Mm. I think it's, it's great. Yes, no, that's, that's absolutely important. And of course, you are aided, uh, all, all of you uh, taking part today. There is better equipment now than would have been true 30 years ago. So you can have these stemmers which leave the individual berries intact. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's you know if you have a look on the top of the tank, it, it's like a, it's like caviar. All berries are full, and it's 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 wonderful. Something appears inside the berries, and it's it's very nice. Hmm. So obviously we can. We, uh, yours is a, a big domain in terms of having many different appellations, uh, several premier crews in Von Romane and in Louis Saint Georges. Uh, and the three Grand Crus. Um, so you, there isn't really time to talk about everyone, but do you have any other uh, Premier Crus from Bonne Romanée that, uh, that you make that you particularly like or have a character that you would like to share? Uh, that's true that we, we are very lucky to have six different Premier Crus in Bonne Romanée. Uh, we have Les Suchots, we have Les Rouges. We are very, very nice vintage. Yes, Rouge is here. Beaumont. And Beaumont also, you are true. Au Brûlé. Uh, yes. Beaumont. Uh, one barrel of Réunion. One barrel and a half, yes. And a half, right. And a half, okay. yes. So good vintages and a half. Yes, tiny, tiny, tiny appellation, but it's a wonderful appellation. Yes, sure. And what have I left out? Uh, Les Chaumes. On the left side. Yes. Yes, and we haven't got the Louis Saint Georges vineyards, but we could add Boudot, which is only which is just immediately across there. And yes. after that, we have Rancière and Poulier. Yes, who are south Louis Saint Georges, exactly. Yes, and, and we are very lucky to, to have these very nice appellations in Von Romane and in Louis Saint Georges. And 
all the appellations in Vendromarnay are, are quite different. And depending on what is your feeling today, you maybe want more brûlé and, and, and Suchot and Beaumont rather than Chaume and Rouge. And, you know, in Burgundy, we, we have more and more dry summer and we, we obtain a, a better maturity in the cold terroir, like Suchot, like, sorry, like Chaume and Rouge. And these two cuvées had a wonderful evolution at the domain since few vintages. We have more complexity and more, um, more precision. And Suchot, Brûlé, Regnaud and Beaumont are wonderful for, for different reasons. Brûlé is more expressive, more glamour, uh, rather than Beaumont is more sensual, more introvertised when it's young, but it, it's completely open and drinkable after a few years aging in bottle. That's my heart I put there because Beaumont, every time I tasted your domain, that's the one that uh, really works for me. Exactly, yes. <laughs> no, that's not the right way to put it because they all work for me, but that happens to be my particular favorite, yes. Yeah, okay, I'll remove that. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask the question, is could we talk a little bit about Vaughan um, and uh, the village, village level? Uh, because you make a, a, a blended Vaughan Cuvée and then you have one single vineyard one. I don't think it comes to the UK much, but, uh, uh, but various markets do get it. Um, anything in particular you would say about the, the village? So it's true that we make two different cuvées in, in Vaughan village. The first one is a blend of a small vineyard of Vaughan Some are located in South Vaughan some Mid Vaughan and the rest knows Von Romane. And it's very interesting to blend all these different terroirs because some are with white soil and other with some clay, limestone. And it's, it's always a cuvee with a, a huge minerality. And it's, it's funny because uh, this cuvee is always better in, in US or in London comparing to, to, to in the winery because this cuvee uh, needs to travel a little bit to be very drinkable and and understanding. And the other one is Von Romane Bossière. Yes, in your heart. Um, we always separate the grapes from this one because uh, vineyard is bigger comparing the others for the blend of Von Romane. And this cuvee is located at the end of the very beautiful terroir of Von Romane, like La Tache, Richebourg, Saint-Vivant and Suchot. And this cuvee has always more complexity and more richness comparing to, to the, the cuvee of, uh, of Von Romane. And uh, it's, he has some spicy sensation also very dynamic and uh, sophisticated cuvee. You have a brilliant way of expressing the, the characters of the wines. Somebody's asked a really difficult question, in fact, of, of both you and of me. The Von Romane vineyards, do you recognize them blind? Uh, I would like to say yes, <laughs> but it's, it's quite difficult. Uh, you know, as I explained, you, Suchot is uh, quite similar to Richebourg and, and Echezo, but with, uh, with less density. So I could find Suchot like this. Uh, Brûlé is, uh, is a very charming uh, appellation. Uh, our vineyard is, has a south exposition, so we, we don't lose the freshness and the minerality in this wine, but it's always more, yes, more, more glamour and more, more open. 
uh, comparing to, to a Beaumont, which could... But if somebody just gave you a glass, and we'll say it is of your domain, uh, would you put your nose in and say, I think that's Suchot, or I think that's Brule, or, or would that be quite difficult to do? I, I will recognize our domain, I hope, because mm. we mm. have a real signature at, at yes. Kiribati. But once you know it's your domain, and uh, would you be able to say, smell it and say, okay, I think that is Schirm, or I think that's Brule? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. I would like to say I could too, but actually uh, I'm not as strong. Um, oddly enough, my wife, who's not a um, committed wine person, but she has a very good palate, uh, gardens a lot. And if she comes to a domain and tastes all the wines in barrel, if somebody opens a bottle afterwards, I will maybe get the vintage, and I may or may not get the, uh, uh, the appellation, but I'm stronger on the vintage, and she will get the appellation. So it's definitely something which can be done, but it depends where your mindset is, I think. Yes, you are true, yes. Yeah. Okay, we, um, we haven't had too much time left, so uh, and we want to have a little moment with all of you together. So let's move to the Clovougeot, uh, and uh, we'll switch maps. Now, uh, I'm sorry, I realized that uh, this was a prototype of the map, it's in my book, before we put in where all the uh, producers are, but it's all right, because I did my homework, and it's something, oops, stop. No, and again. <laughs> <laughs> Learn how to do this as I go along. So your parcel is something like that. Yes, very good, Jasper. Well done. Yes, exactly. Give myself a round of applause. <laughs> yes, we are very lucky. We, we, we have uh, 1.86 hectares of Claude de Bougeot. Um, my back, back grandfather, Gaston Griveaux, uh, bought this vineyard in 1919, and the oldest part is from 1920 now. So um, we maybe have to do something in 2020. We will. Well, we will. I think so. Yes, I think yes, you should. But it's it's very nice to to have a, a, a big plot like this because we have a complementarity of uh, of terroir in in Claude de Vougeot. and since several vintages we ob we obtain good maturity, and the bottom of of the vineyard close to the main road give a nice flesh to the cuvee, uh, and the top of the vineyard uh, where we have like no soil. We, we have a, a huge complexity for, for the cuvee. So during the harvest, we blend all the grapes for a perfect harmony of the cuvee. And this cuvee is always on the power. And that's true that it's always more masculine uh, than feminine. And my dad al always said, this is like a teenager and I would like to give him like an education. Because when it's young, it's always like this. You have, you have some acidity, some tannins. Everything is here, but we need more time to be perfectly balanced. And the last 10, 15 vintages, um, we, we improve a lot the quality of, uh, of this cuvee. The tannin touch is more smooth. And I think it's now a blend of strongness subtility and, and resonance. I'm so. going to tell a story about uh, somebody. I was uh, at his house in, in Bordeaux and he had recently, or his, uh, his um, the, the patron of his uh, business, 
had recently bought a domain in Von Romanet that included some Clobujo. Mm -hmm. said to me, Jasper, uh, who makes the best Clobujo? And I cited a few, I mentioned Angro, I mentioned uh, one or two others, and I mentioned uh, Domain Grivo. And he said, that's not possible, look where they are. And after that, he put on a tasting of about 20 different wines from Clobujo, and we tasted them all blind. And afterwards, we, they're all the same vintage. And afterwards, we, uh, we said which we liked the best. And the conclusion that we came to was that, frankly, it doesn't really matter whether you are up here or here or here, you know, top, middle or bottom. Uh, but it was the good winemakers made the best wines. It was as simple as that. The only other thing I would just mention about Clovisio since we're here is that you can see how the contour lines are, are working here, that they're wiggling from side to side. If you were to stand on the road on the north side and look across, you will see that the slope waves up and down like that. It's not, it's at the bottom here and at the top there, particularly as the chateau itself is in a dip, it also moves from side to side. Uh, so it is, I suppose, possible that if you had a, if you had a bit of uh, uh, vineyard that was, uh, I don't know, I, I, this is uh, an area that I like a lot, uh, maybe your wine would be even better. But the truth is, every year, uh, you're making a beautiful wine from here. And that's, that's what we have. Great. Okay. Um, so keep the chat going on the sides and ask questions. And what I'm going to do now, if we can lose the map, Ronan, thank you. Um, if you've got questions for any one of the panel, then put them on the chat and, and we'll do that. But I'm going to go back to Leia and Pierre and say, from everything we have talked about today, from what you have said each of you and what Clement said and what Mathilde said, is there anything that you have taken away from today, something you've learned that was an interesting point, or something that you want to come back on and uh, make and give your view on? Leah, Pierre, over to you. Um, if, yeah, if I learned something, like it would be like from Mathilde, uh, that's uh, like one of her first sentences was like that she made a partnership with her parents. And I think that's like something that we need to follow up with uh, Dominique. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, I know your father so well for such a long time. But uh, we were, uh, the, where we had this lunch on Sunday was with Olivier Mala. Uh, and you could imagine your father maybe would sort of take control of that partnership, but actually it works really, really well. Uh, so uh, it's something he's able to do. <laughs> This is great. Leah, anything that you have particularly uh, seen today? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Clément, because I didn't hear you very, very well. So I um, might not be able to, to, to comment so much on, on what you said. But I think we're, the four of us, we're so lucky to, to be the, it's not really heirs, it's, it's more than that, to be the, the sons of, uh, of great winemakers. And uh, we're, I think it shows here we're really happy to be able to take over from them and we respect a lot what they've done. And uh, what's important today, as Mathilde said as well, is that we have to, they did such a good job in, in making good wines and also promoting, what Burg promoting Burgundy because when they took over, Burgundy was not where it is today. And we really have to thank them for that because they did a lot. I mean, you, of course, Jasper, as well have them and they were not they, they, they got help from uh, 
from uh, wine experts and journalists, but of what we, um, what we have yes. to see is the result of 30 years of intense work and passion and also sharing. And that's something we have to continue doing. But then, of course, your generation is going to do even better. Yeah. Way to look at it, go further. You know, we're, uh, I also, you know, to, to be honest, I'm really looking forward to have a few years here at the Domain because it's not easy to, we don't have a lot of um, uh, recul. I don't know how to say that in English, but we are really new in the winery with Pierre and uh, I'm really looking forward to have a few years of experience uh, behind us to be able to to bring more to the domain, to, to also, I mean, be able to, it would be interesting to have a similar conversation with you in a few years, and I think. Uh, oh, okay, right, we will, we will, I'll talk to the people <laughs> at 67 Pound Mile and we'll book it. Uh -huh. And of course you're right about uh, your parents and all that generation did make a great job, but uh, let's just give a, um, a special mention to, the, for me, the person, the, the person who, who's helped them um, and uh, me make a difference is, of course, Becky Wasserman, who many, many of you will know, uh, including all the, all the other panelists. Um, Clement, is there something you have pulled out of today's tasting? And if any extra thing that talk, Mathilde, Olea, or Pierre, their conversation has suggested to you? No, it's, it's, uh, it's great to, uh, to see um, there's a new generation in Burgundy um, to change uh, between us. Um, and um, we have um, not, not pressure uh, in the future, but it's, uh, it's quite hard to, to be um, after our parents uh, and to do good uh, work. Uh, and we try to do, um, to do better. Uh, after the rest of us. Great. So, uh, I mean, uh, you are not going to have enough time to uh, uh, to catch up with anything else. Running running three domains, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. coming by to taste all the wines, as you know, in uh, in November, if if not before. Um, and uh, uh, and I actually would. Uh, I'm a little bit two minds about uh, the domains in Burgundy who have moved into the Beaujolais, for example. Uh, fewer have done it in the Maconnais, but some in the Beaujolais. Because I love, uh, I love the wines made already by my friends in the Beaujolais. And the worry is that uh, uh, international importers will say, okay, I can get it now while I'm in the Côte d'Or. I don't have to go to the Beaujolais. But I do have to say that your wines, Clément, that you've been making there, uh, it isn't just your domain, but your wines in particular, I think are really, really smart examples of Moulavant uh, and a Fleury too. Mathilde, any, any little special things that uh, you have picked up uh, from listening in tonight and uh, the exchange? Uh, I don't know, Jasper, thank you very much. Uh, it was a pleasure to be all together and uh, we are a good generation, I'm sure. Yes, I think so. We look forward to seeing a lot more of you. This is going to be a little bit delicate, and I hope you don't mind, but traditionally we ask everybody who has been watching and tasting tonight to choose two of the six wines that are their favourites, and uh, we have a little poll and uh, we get the answers. So I, I, I have no idea how it's all going to come out, but Sophie, if you want to put the poll up. 
So everybody, um, uh, panelists, uh, we, we can't vote, I can't vote, and you can't vote, but all the people listening in can vote. So we'll do it quite quickly. Um, just vote for your two favorites, for whatever reasons, out of that list. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody voted. Last chance. Okay. Poll over, and we will get the results almost instantly. And it's the, oh, my screen doesn't quite go down. Uh, it's, 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 it's a runaway victory for the Sushou, uh, Mathilde. So uh, tell, your, tell your father, well, it's, it was you together with him, but, uh, but uh, well done for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I was going to vote for the uh, Verroile, uh, for Gisèle Bartot, uh, Clément and Gisèle, as one of my wines. And I couldn't decide between the, the, the top two here, the Clos de la Barre and the, and the Souchot as my, as my other wine. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, thank you all for, for taking part in that. We still have a couple of questions that have been asked. Uh, so I'm going to look at the question and answer panel. Um, uh, Rafi, I didn't forget CRA. I did, I, I did check on CRA. Um, someone has asked, is it normal for all of these wines to be drinking so nicely this young? Of course they can get better, but I'm amazed how enjoyable they've all been. Well, if we did partly choose vintages that could uh, do that, uh, 2014 is an approachable vin uh, vintage, as is 2015 in white. But uh, would you agree, uh, uh, whoever wants to answer this, uh, that um, maybe nowadays, maybe it's to do with ripeness, maybe it's to do with technique, but wines probably are enjoyable earlier than they used to be. Do you think that's fair? Yes. Yeah. The only additional point I would make on that is I would be very unhappy if people start trying to make wines to be ready young, if that stops them being great wines at 25 years old. And I don't see that, but, uh, but uh, that's, that's just my, my, my contribution. So last chance from anybody who's been listening in, if you have any final question you want to ask our panelists. Otherwise, I am going to, uh, we'll, we'll let Ronan uh, uh, say a word and... Uh, thank you very much, Jasper. Thank you very much, everybody. Very interesting chat. Are you back with us again soon, Jasper? I think you are. Uh, uh, well, I may be. Uh, yes, I am. I'm back on Monday and I have Ludovine Griveau of the Hospice de Bone. So those wines are just being sent out now. Do please ask for them. Ludovine, like, like our panel tonight, Ludovine is a brilliant communicator as well as being a super winemaker. Uh, and... Uh, what with uh, the COVID and everything else, I think the relationship between the Hospice de Bone and the hospital in Bone and the medical world in general and all the charities they support uh, brings this very much into, into focus. So I do hope that A, you'll listen in next week and B, B spread the word. And uh, finally, I would just like to say what a great team we've had tonight uh, with some, um, uh, uh, Lair is you're the one who I've known the best and the longest uh, um, and uh, uh, Pierre you're probably the one I've met least often of, of the team but look forward to seeing you in future uh, I use your domain as a reference point during the harvest I always come around and spend a lot of time there partly because uh, Dominique sometimes opens some good bottles over lunch don't forget that <laughs> when you go forwards and uh, and also I, I, I learn a lot um, Clement, uh, thank you so much, and uh, you're here as a representative of, of two great uh, vignerons, and you're going to be able to 
uh, developed that and, uh, and uh, as I say, three whole domains. And um, uh, uh, that leaves us with, uh, the only reason I hesitated there was I've just seen a new question come up. Uh, Mathilde, uh, you, your brother, your father, your mother as well, we didn't say enough about her. Uh, your um, uh, grandfather, your grandmother, your great aunt, uh, all, all the family uh, have been involved in making some um, uh, terrific things. Um, Miriam has just asked a little bit about how do we feel about the, uh, the challenge of climate change. Uh, is it uh, maybe a very quick answer? It must be something of a worry. Is it something that you think you'll be able to handle or you think that maybe you can, can make complete changes? Who's going to answer that first? Um, yeah, regarding the climate change, uh, I mean, the most obvious sign is like we harvest like earlier and earlier, uh, but we could manage with like uh, later, like uh, later, like uh, graph, graph and like portograph. Yes, the, uh, yes, the, uh, what do you call them, rootstock, that's Root, it. Yeah, rootstock, sorry. Yes. Uh, yes. But the most challenging part would be like the, the, the frost and the, mm. and the, and the yield. Yes, breaking news, global warming brings more frost. Bizarre, but, but <laughs> because the season just starts a bit earlier. Uh, Clément, Mathilde, do, do you want to add a comment? Uh, happy, no? Yes. Yeah. With the gentleman that um, we will um, we'll adapt uh, the future of the vine and, and the vinification uh, with the climate. Mm. Yeah, we have no choice. We can we can change uh, the grape variety, so yeah. we must uh, we must adapt. Yeah, absolutely must adapt, and I think it'll be viticulture as much as anything vinification. Vinification is where you can maybe correct something when it's too late, but otherwise, viticulture yeah. is the answer, I think. D'accord, Mathilde? Yeah, yes, it's true that climate is changing, and, and especially at the domain, we, we, we love a long vegetative cycle, so, so we, we try to, to have long vegetative cycle, enough it, even if it it's a, it's a short, it's a, it's a young, it's a, an early vintage, sorry. We, we try to, to have a long vegetative cycle and it's, it's always fusing in the vineyard and uh, it's, it's mm. quite complicated to, to explain today. Mm. Yes, but uh, work, work to be done. We have one last question, uh, Rafi, uh, who says, these three domains are great. Top-end Burgundy, however, is hard to buy. Can we have more Bourgogne Rouge and Bourgogne Blanc in the future? Well, we, that would be a great uh, uh, Zoom to do, but even while we're here with these teams, we should mention that there is an incredible Macron uh, from uh, Les Héritiers du Comte Lafont, the, uh, the inheritors from the original Comte Jules Lafont, uh, the Macron domain that uh, started in 1999. Uh, on the reds, you have a Montli as well, at the main domain, but is uh, otherwise... I mean, no, the white, sorry, the red, yeah, the white is a village. Yes. Uh, so that's affordable. Uh, Clément, uh, your mother has uh, domain has a, a really great Bourbon Rouge uh, from the Bon Baton Vineyard, which uh, I adore. We shouldn't tell too many people about it because there isn't enough to share, but uh, it's a great wine. Your father has Côte Nuit Village, Pissan. He has some affordable vineyards as well, yes? Yeah. 
And uh, uh, Mathilde, you uh, let me think, this Bourgogne Rue, right? yeah. Bourgogne Blanc. Mm -hmm. There's even a Coteau Bourguignon. Yes, also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also, uh, if you want to buy in volume, and uh, maybe you can get it uh, done for you in a special bag in box, a big set. This uh, thing called Richbourg, is it? Is that the one? <laughs> Richbourg special offer. Also, Marche, you know, it's all on offer this year. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. I tell you, I've hugely enjoyed uh, having you all um, uh, with us tonight. And um, uh, please, everybody, stay in touch. Drink good wine. I haven't got enough in my glass. Oh, yes, I have some in this glass for a toast. But thank you all for being with us tonight. And yeah. see, you, see you next time. Bye-bye. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye.